kid than Derek, a little bit more experience, and I too have been in this conundrum before. I know how that goes. And so I wanted to help out this morning. Like every great problem and every great conundrum, the answer, you always go to the Bible, okay? And so that's exactly what I did. And I can tell you the answer to this, it's grace. It's grace. And the reason why is, in the very first part of the Bible, in Genesis, when you first open the Bible up, we understand why women have trouble deciding where to eat. And it's because the very first time they did, it cursed the world. <laughs> right? You got to have a little grace. I'm just joking, of course. And I'm certain uh, Adam probably would have eaten that apple first, but he already forgot what tree God said not to eat from because there was a naked woman eating an apple in front of him. I mean... <laughs> You can have a little bit of grace in that, too. We've all got our problems. I'm just kidding, of course. Speaking of nakedness, I want to talk to you about worry today. <laughs> How about that transition? So we've been in a series over the last couple months, a series that we're walking through the book of Matthew, and it's a series entitled King Jesus. And if you've been with us, you know that we've said if you were to break up the book of Matthew, it would be a lot like a Netflix series with different seasons and different episodes. So each of these messages have been a different episode, and we've been looking at the lineage of Jesus and then also learning from him about what he says on the Sermon on the Mount, what he says about the life that we need to live, how we need to live, and he begins to teach us that. And so today we're going to be continuing in that series, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34, okay? And the message today I'm calling Winning the War on Worry, Winning the War on Worry. Now today I want to give you four biblical principles that can quite literally change your life. And all jokes aside, I want you to know I'm going to tell some jokes today, and it's funny sometimes. But there's nothing funny about worry, about stress, anxiety, depression. And, and so I want you to know if that is something that you struggle with, I encourage you, reach out to our biblical counseling center. Get some help with that. Apply these principles. It is possible to control it. Okay, I want you to know that. So winning the war on worry. I heard a story once about a man who was fed up with worrying. He was tired of it, sick of it, couldn't do it anymore. So many worries, too many worries for one man to worry about. And so what he did, he went to a meeting one day and he said, hey, I can't stand it anymore. I can't do all of this worrying. It's worth it for me. I will pay somebody $100,000 just to do my worrying for me. I don't want to do it anymore. So there was a small man, quiet man in the back. He stood up in that meeting and he thought, I could do that. So he raised his hand and he said, yeah, that's worth it. I'll take that money. I'll do your worrying for you. And the man said, good, you're hired. You start immediately. You can start right now. And so the man began to sit back down. And as he sat down, he said, wait a minute. He stood back up and he looked at that man. And he said, wait a minute, how do I get my money? And that man looked at him and said, you're doing a great job. I was worried about that too, right? But the truth is, is that worry is ever, everywhere. It's prevalent. It's something uh, 
very serious, and especially, I would say, even in this generation. As a matter of fact, statistically speaking, this generation is the most anxious and stressed generation to date. And you could see why. There's so many more decisions to be made, so much more things to be worried about, stress every single day. Now, maybe some of those problems are solved on an occasion. Maybe we can figure something out, but it always seems like every single thing is replaced with two more worries, two more stress points, something that you got to think about. It's the the reason that we have so many self-help books, so many gurus that want to talk to you and help you with those kinds of things. Now, it's not planned this way. I didn't talk to Pastor Brandon about it or anything. It wasn't planned that this specific text today would end up on my teaching Sunday. But that was a God thing. And the reason why is because I worry really well. I'm the king of worry. I do it all the time and I can take it to the max. If it were an Olympic sport, I would get gold every single time. I promise you. And I'm the type of person that I'm not dipping my toe in just to see what the water feels like. I jump right in. I'll drink the pool after two. That's how stressed out I can get myself. I am the king of worry. So to be able to sit here and study this text this week, I don't want you to think that um, I don't deal with it or anything like that, because the truth is, is that this week has been one of the most stressful weeks of my entire life. And I know why that is, is because I needed this. I needed to stew over this text, and this, the devil was attacking I promise you, he was attacking this week. But it was a joy and an honor to be able to study this and to be able to see the text in a different light. And I hope today that's how you see it too. So, winning the war on worry, let's read uh, these passages together. Again, we're in Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. And if you remember, we're flowing right into where Derek stopped last week. So last week, Derek ended with not serving two masters, okay? And then Matthew 6, verse 25 says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. This is Jesus talking. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant They don't have the ability to harvest. They don't store food in barns. It's your heavenly father that feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than him, to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work. They can't make their clothes. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Now, I want to reveal to you uh, a big misconception about this text. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed some. 
This is the last part. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough today. So a misconception that I used to have uh, about this text. And my misconception was that if Jesus didn't want us to do something, if Jesus didn't want us to worry, well, to me then that said worries must be a sin, right? We must be sinning when we worry, and I must be sinning all the time. And the truth is, is that worry is a very natural thing. We all do it. Worry is not a sin. But what it is, it's a warning. It's a signal to you. It's a red flag that says, hey, maybe there's something specific in my life that I need to pay a little bit more attention to. Maybe there's something that I need to give a little more thought to. Worry is concern that's gotten out of control. And we all have concerns. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples in this text, he specifically talks to them about worrying about what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Those are very real problems at this point in the Bible. Worry is unavoidable, but it's not uncontrollable. But at the time in the Bible, when you went to work that day in the fields, when you went to harvest, or maybe you were catching fish, if your job didn't yield that day, if you didn't go into the fields, if you decided not to show up, then you just didn't eat. You just didn't have. That's how it was. The disciples didn't have the luxury of going to a supermarket and grabbing something off the shelf. They didn't have grocery stores. There wasn't a minute mart on every corner, okay? They had to go and pull their water up from the well but in a bucket. And heaven forbid you hit your bucket on the side of the well and you got dirt in there because you know what you did? You drank it anyways. They didn't have the luxuries that we have today. We have 900 different kinds of water today. You can get water with bubbles, energy water, water with caffeine, flavored waters. They're everywhere. It was very much a do or die situation at that point. I say all that because when Jesus was preaching about this, that's how it was. It was a legitimate worry for those people. Now, there's still people in this world that go hungry, that don't have enough water to drink. I'm not pushing that aside. I'm not pushing that under the table. Um, but today, it's not about the clothes that we wear, whether or not we have the clothes. It's about whether or not people like them. It's about whether or not they're cool, whether or not you look good enough in them. I remember uh, when I was in middle school, maybe some of you remember these. These are Jinko jeans, right? These were all the rave when I was in middle school. I don't know why, but look at those legs. Look at those pant legs. The bigger the pant legs, the better. The bigger the pant legs, the cooler you were. Those are all the rave. When we, when we were looking these up before, these are $225 today. I don't know if they became a collector's item or what, but that is insane. Really makes me feel for my mom. She had a lot of patience. But I don't know why I wear these. It was crazy. You know how many times I rode my bike and got those pant legs caught up in the chain and twisted my ankle? They're a safety concern. They really are. It's crazy 
what we focus on. It's crazy what we can get wrapped up in. It's just as Derek taught us last week. What becomes your focus can become your God. And what I want you to see, church, is that we are blessed. We are a blessed people. We don't have to worry so much about those things. And so when Jesus is speaking this text about not to worry about the daily things of life, the food you drink, or the food, I'm sorry, the water you drink, the food you eat, the clothes you wear, what he's really doing is confessing how great his love for you is. And I've always missed that reading this text. What he's doing is saying how little we really understand how much he loves us. It's him saying, look at yourself. You're my masterpiece. I created you. I painted you. I put life into you. I put every hair on your head. I breathed into you. Why on earth would I do all of that and then not give you enough? Not give you every single thing that you need. I love you that much. Of course I will. Of course I'll give those things to you. If my nine-year-old Hudson came up to me one week and was like, Dad, I need to talk to you. I'm a little worried. I've left a few extra lights on a little longer than normal this week, and I don't know if you can pay the electric bill. I'm worried about it. been worrying about it all week. You know what I would say to him? Don't waste another moment. Don't waste another moment. Go outside, get dirty, play. That is on me. I'm taking care of that. I'm your father. I love you. I'll worry about that. Don't you waste another moment. I've got it covered. We're blessed, church. We're blessed. So the first principle I want you to write down out of the four that I'm going to give you is this. If you want to win the war on worry, every prayer starts with gratitude. Every prayer starts with gratitude. Remember what we're here for. We're blessed. Remember what we're here to do. Remember what God has already done for you. And then as I like to say it, put a promise on your problem. Put one of God's promises on your problem. God, I'm feeling anxious. I'm a little worried about this sickness. I don't know if I can handle it. But I know you promised that I'll never leave you. Or you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And that's what I'm holding on to. Lord, I'm scared to start this new job. Maybe I get, got in over my head. But Lord, your word says you'll walk every step with me. Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I can raise this child by myself. They're out of control. But Lord, I know you promised that you'll walk every step right beside me. Start every prayer with gratitude. And do it because we're blessed. We're so blessed. Jesus taught this principle 2,000 years ago in the Bible. And it's in every single self-help book ever written today. There's been so many people that make money over the principle that Jesus taught. The only difference is, is they call it positive thinking. And you know why it works? 
Because worry will refuse to share the heart with gratitude. If you can fill your heart with gratitude, worry, it's impossible for it to get in. It's just as Pastor Derek spoke last week. Let your eyes see light and your whole body will be filled with light. Focus on the right things. Gratitude. We're blessed. Look what Jesus says again in verse 26 through 29. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store food in barns. It's your heavenly father that feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They can't work. They don't make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, is not dressed as beautifully as they are. So what does that mean? Does that mean we shouldn't work? Does that mean we shouldn't worry enough to even go to work? No, it doesn't mean that. You need to work. You need to be prepared. But just like a concern can get out of control and become worry, worry can turn preparation into fixation. And before you know it, you're staying later at the office than you've ever stayed before. You're spending less and less time with your wife or your husband. You're spending less and less time with your kids. Work, preparation, becomes your fixation. It becomes your God. And what God is saying is, we do have the ability to plant. We do have the ability to harvest. We do store. We do save. We do work. We buy clothes. We make clothes. God gave us those abilities to be able to create. He gave us those gifts and he gave us those talents. But he didn't give you those abilities and talents and gifts to become your fixation. He didn't give them, he didn't give you those to become your God. When preparation becomes fixation and worry, your thoughts turn from gratitude to what if. The devil is an expert archer, and the thoughts that he plants in you are his arrows, and he'll shoot them every single day. And it doesn't even have to be a bad thought. It can be a good thought, and you can turn it in to worry if you're not focused on the right thing. Stay away from the what-if thoughts. What if, I, what if I don't make the team? What if I don't get the job? What if they don't like me? What if I disappoint somebody? What if I can't get pregnant? What if I stay single my whole life? What if I can't hack it? When preparation becomes fixation, it creates worry. Principle number one is start every, every prayer with gratitude. Principle number two is this. Write this down. When, um, if you want to win the war on worry, prepare to be ready but not in control. Prepare to be ready, but don't prepare to be in control. Do what you can. Control what you can. God wants you to know that the blessing is coming, but it's not your job to worry about the when or the how. That's up to him. I want to give you a great example of this in the Bible. <clears throat> Everybody knows the story of when David fought Goliath. So if you read the story of David and Goliath, when David was preparing for battle, he refused to wear the armor that they had given him because it was too heavy. Now, David had a great faith, 
And maybe some could look at it as, well, I'd, I'd wear that armor. It'd be a little bit more prepared. But David knew that the armor was too heavy for him. And he needed to prepare, even though God was with him, to fight the very best battle that he could fight. So he turned away from the armor. God was going to deliver him. God was going to bless him. But he still put himself in the best position possible. It went on to say that David picked up five smooth stones for the battle. He killed Goliath with one stone. Why on earth would he pick up five? God could kill Goliath with one stone in the forehead. So why did he need five? Because he wasn't worried about the when or the how. He left that up to God and he simply prepared. He wanted to be prepared for whatever God had in store for him. But he let God take care of the when and the how. Jesus says it like this. He says, why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Little faith. We all have it. Why do we have such little faith? Where does that come from? I can tell you. It comes from a place of worry, and it comes from a place of fixation. Little faith comes from little understanding, and a great faith comes from a great understanding. It comes from seeking first the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes I feel like we turn to God and we pray and we cry out, Lord, please help me. I don't know where to turn to. I don't know what path to take. I'm struggling. I need your help. And I get that. I do that all the time. But I feel like sometimes if God could, he would say to us, hello, knock, knock. Have you ever read that book I gave you? Right? Every answer in there. You ever think about opening it? It's a bestseller on the New York Times list. I'd get that. I'd open it up. It really does work. But you got to read it to know it, and you got to know it to understand it. And when you do, I promise you, it will relieve your worry. You want to win the war on worry? Increase your faith by increasing your understanding of how great your God is. If you want to win the war on worry, increase your faith by increasing your understanding of how great your God is. That's what this whole entire section of Matthew is about. Jesus trying to get us to understand how much he truly loves and cares for us. And it's difficult for us to understand that sometimes, to understand that kind of love. But when you catch a glimpse of it, Every time something is fixed in your life, when a worry goes away, it strengthens your faith a little bit more. And your worries begin to dissipate. And a big faith can make a big problem seem really small. And when your understanding grows, what happens is the bigger the problem gets in your life, the more the cl clear the path becomes. 
You know exactly where to go. Uh, in many older cultures, people would cast their worries onto stones, and then they would throw those stones out into the water somewhere. So someone caught created what was called a worry stone. And they made a lot of money selling rocks to people to put their worries on. I have uh, some stones for you this morning. If you're in the right-hand side of the row, if you look under your chair, there's some buckets. You can go ahead and grab those. They've got some stones in them, and they've got some pins in them. If you will grab a stone out of that bucket and pass the bucket to your neighbor... We might be a little short on pins, so if you grab a pin, then uh, pass it to your neighbor when you're done. But I want you to take that stone, and I want you to think about the greatest worry in your life right now. What gives you ultimate stress when you think about it? What gives you that, that feeling in the pit of your stomach? What does that? And what I want you to do is I want you to write on that stone your worry. Just, it could be a word, it could be a phrase, but write it on that stone and then pass the pen to your neighbor. And you know what the great thing is, is if you get a stone that you can't write on for some reason, or you don't get a pen, God already knows all your needs anyways, so don't worry about it. But while you're doing that, I want to tell you a story uh, about this last week of my life. Over the past uh, month or so, maybe a couple months, I don't know exactly what's been going on, but my youngest son has been absolutely out of control. Fits every single day at school. He's been to the same school for his whole life. There's nothing that's changed at school, but fits every single day. The school calls us. They don't know what to do. They can't get him under control. It's stressed me to the max. Never felt anything like that. I've never dealt with that before with one of my kids. I, continuing problem that you can't figure out. And I could tell you, man, when it comes for the love of your kids, there is nothing that can make you feel more helpless when they're hurting or something's wrong and you cannot figure it out. We've tried diet changes. We've tried taking things away. I've spanked him to the point of guilt. Nothing helps. And he was in one of those fits this week, and I was trying to prepare for this message. And I mean, I just couldn't handle it. My stress was over the top. My wife and I were fighting. It was, there was a wedge between me and my other kids because I was focusing on him so much. And Lydia went out to cool off and take a walk. Uh, I don't blame her. And I did not know what else to do. And so... I don't even know, remember thinking I'm going to do it, but it was late at night. He wouldn't sleep. He just cried and threw a fit, and I didn't know what else to do. And in desperation, I just put my hands on him. I just prayed. I was desperate. I was tired. I hadn't slept, and I could not fix it. And so I just prayed that God would take it. God would be in control. And you know what? I felt like God was saying, thank you, Brandon. Good grief. How long are you going to carry this? How long are you going to think that you can do this yourself without me? I've been waiting for you to ask for help. 
That's what I did. And my son went to sleep that night. Several fits since then. But our very last patch that says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own worries. Today's enough for today, right? And that's the truth. Principle number four is this. If you want to win the war on worry, when it's time to let go, you got to let go. When you finally are to the point that you're like, I can't do this anymore. I need help. You got to let it go. And what you'll find is, is we never know what the future holds, but we know exactly who holds it. And he can handle your worries. He can handle your stresses. He can do it. You just got to ask for help. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we're so thankful to be able to listen to your word this morning, to be able to hear you speak to us. Lord, we want to win this war on worry. We want to win this war on anxiety. And Lord, we're so grateful to be fighting next to you, Father. Please remind us constantly how blessed we are. Please help us to fill our hearts with gratitude. We're thankful for your love and your grace that surpass anything that we can ever understand, Father. Thank you for the deep love and understanding that you have for us. Help us, Father, to seek first your kingdom. We ask you to take our worries and you, we ask us, Father, that you would encourage us just to, to let go, to leave them with you. Forgive me, Father, for my sins are many. My stress is great. My worry is great. But you are greater. We ask you to relieve us of these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks. In just a moment, we're going to close out with another worship song. This is a specific song that I asked Bree and the worship team to, to play. And it specif specifically talks about battle. How you fight a battle. How you win a war. And the answer is simple. You surround yourself with Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. People used to send those rocks into bodies of water. They used to throw them out in the middle of the lake after they cast their worries on them. Or they'd throw them in the river. But what they began to realize and why worry stones became a thing of non-existence is because worry always comes back. Casting it on a stone and throwing it in the water never works. Water can't handle your worry. But church, we serve a God who's the creator of water. We serve a God who commands the rivers what direction to run. We serve a God who will walk out on that water and pick your rock up if you want him to. He can calm any wave. So when we sing this worship song together, when we close out, I want you to stand up and I want you to take that rock with your stress on it. If you feel comfortable, I simply want you to come up here and put it on the altar. You're going to let it go. You're going to leave it with God. But don't bring the rock up here if you're not really going to let it go. If you bring it up here and you set it down and you give it to God, let him have it. 
He wants it. He wants to carry it for you. I want to talk to somebody else in here real fast, a different person. You've been carrying around a whole sack of stones, all of life's worry, with no relief. And maybe you feel something a little bit different today, a peace you've never felt before, a calling. You come up and lay your stone down. Surrender your life. Take that with you. Can we all stand together, church? Let's worship.